Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. Coming up here in just a few minutes, going to be joined by Alex Gold of SB Nation Radio as we'll get his thoughts on the Kansas City Chiefs as well as some KU basketball and football. And uh, Alex, he's based in Houston, so he's been all over the Houston Astros in their World Series run. So we'll touch on that as well when Alex joins us coming up in just a few minutes from right now. Joining me as always is Thomas Bridges. And, and Tom, I got to tell you, I feel like this week has been a month between Patrick Mahomes suffering his injury, KU bringing back their rivalry with Mizzou, and then Big 12 media days and all this other stuff that's gone on here. And and then the NASCAR race was over the weekend as well. I've had to stop and like catch my breath here for a second. This has been a wild week. It's been a wild month, really. I mean, just with baseball, you know, playoffs, different World Series going on, and then NBA coming back and, and you know, all that storyline. NFL's been decently exciting and you know right before the trade deadline and then you mentioned the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes and his injury and how that kind of took storm and you know uh, thankfully didn't seem to be too bad it looked like he's already in practice I don't know how smart that is but uh you know it's Patrick Mahomes he's young enough he can he can do what he will uh and then you know NASCAR you got to go you know to that race looked like Michael Tyree had a blast yeah, he had a great time. I had a great time, too, and uh, caught up with some fantastic people. Denny Hamlin, Tom, he won his fifth race of the season. I've been to four NASCAR races this year, and Denny Hamlin won three of them. So I asked Denny, I said, would you like me to go to Homestead? And uh, he said yes. And uh, so, Tom, I will now be going to Homestead for the uh, championship race in a couple of weeks. There you go. Can you, well, would Danny, you, don't think, you think Denny will remember you if he pulls it off? I think he might, considering that I was there when he won the Daytona 500, and I was there in Victory Lane when I got to interview him at Kansas Speedway this past weekend, and Pocono and such. I think there's a chance that Denny will remember me. That would be really cool. Could you imagine interviewing him after he wins the ship, and he's like, hey, you were here then, and then, and now you're here now, and... Maybe he'll just take you on the on his crew. I could see you being pit crew. Could you imagine? I could, I could see you being a spotter, really. I think my job... Just go Jenny Hamlin to her? Here's an, a, a whole other topic we could get into. What NASCAR job would you pick if you could work on a pit crew? I think, Tom, I would like to be the gas man. Yeah, yeah, I mean... You have to be pretty, you know, a lot of those people that we see there at the race, a lot of those are ex-NFL people. Yeah. And, you know, you got to be a pretty big guy, pretty strong. I mean, those tires are no BS. And and to be quick on the draw, hauling all that, you know, around, it would be cool to work the drill and put on the tires. But, I, you know, honestly, probably the gas man. You think? I would probably agree with you. You'd be the gas man as well. The one job I wouldn't want for sure, I would not want to be the jack man. No. Be the worst one. Yeah. I mean the tire, you know, would be want to kind of be quick on your on the draw like, man, 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 man. You'd be like, okay, you know, you'd you'd be fast. It'd be like uh, you know, Jack of all trades, 
for sorts, you know, doing the gas or, you know, doing the wheels. But honestly, the jack would be the worst. That would be, I mean, I wonder what the pay discrepancy is. I wonder if they all get paid the same. Or, you know, I wonder if you get a little bit more money being the Jackman just because it looks like the least favorable job. Right. Because you work the job that nobody wants, you get paid the uh, most. What's interesting well, is with the uh, crew chiefs, with the crew chiefs um, on the bigger teams, like Chad Knauss, he says that he hasn't even touched a race car in years. That he's like, you guys, you do all this. I'm just going to tell you how to do it. See, I feel like I would want, I feel like you get into that, you don't just fall into that job. Well, maybe you do, but I, you know, I feel like taking a job like that, you wouldn't just fall into it. You would want to, you do it because you would want to, and that would be part of the rush. I feel like it'd be an adrenaline rush, and I, I wonder if they get, you know, if you're so quick on the draw, if, you know, say you're 20% as fast as you were the race before, getting new tires on, I wonder if you get an incentive. I, I would imagine so. If say, hey, you get this much for doing this, uh, this fast, and if you don't get this, then you know you don't get it as fast. You don't get as much. Right. Well, and the races are won and lost on pit road, so there's a trust level that's established there. These drivers, when they move teams, a lot of times, Tom, they'll take their pit crew with them. That they believe in them, have seen how well that they are, and so they'll bring them to the new team that they're on because there's an established trust there. Right. Yeah. I mean, you, you have the, you have it made up where, you know, you get your all-stars or, you know, you could, you could switch teams potentially. Maybe you start on, you know, David Reagan's team and you end up on Denny Hamlin's, you know, that's not a knock on Reagan, but you know, they, I bet they, they can pick their people. Yeah, they do. It's uh, it's a grueling process, to say the least, of who makes a team and, and who doesn't make a team as far as that goes. And that's their livelihood is uh, doing that. But anyways, Patrick Mahomes suffered that injury on Thursday night football. And I was watching this game with some buddies of mine at Tanner's in KC. And I don't think I can ever watch a Chiefs game with them ever again at Tanner's in KC after – sitting through that and seeing Patrick get hurt. A lot of people questioning the quarterback sneak play, whether to call that or not. Um, look, it's a freak injury. could have happened on any play. I don't have a problem with Andy calling a quarterback sneak, even with Mahomes' ankle and all that that happened there. It was a freak injury. Um, you know, it's it, it could have happened when he stepped back in the pocket as far as that goes with that kneecap goes. When he walked off the field, it looked like it could be a season-ending injury. That's how bad it was what we were talking about. And then the next morning we get the idea, okay, it's only going to be three to eight weeks. And now he's practicing. And if I'm Kansas City, the way I'm looking at this right now is the next four weeks, you can go two and two with Matt Moore taking on the teams that you face. I don't think that's crazy to ask Matt Moore to go 2-2 two and two over this next stretch. And then you have a bye week and you come back. The Chiefs have a banged-up offensive line right now, really a banged-up team. But in particular, Eric Fisher and Wiley are not 100% healthy at the moment. 
I would not want Patrick Mahomes out there until I'm as close to possible of that offensive line being healthy and Patrick Mahomes being 100% healthy himself. I would need the two to go together. I'll sacrifice the next couple weeks for the long term of trying to get a Super Bowl and for Patrick's health. I think that throwing him out there to practice, this might be a little premature. Take your time. Get this done the right way before anything else worse could happen because he already re-injured that ankle once. Now he's got this kneecap injury he's dealing with here. Matt Moore looked fine in that second half against Denver. You're going to win the division. It's such a bad division anyway. It does not hurt to go ahead and take the time to do this right. Take a short-term loss for a long-term term gain of sorts. Yeah, you don't want to re-injure. I mean, at this point, I mean, there are people calling for Andy Reid to sit Mahomes for the rest of the season. Well, I don't think you have to do all of that. I think you do have to be overly cautious, and I, you know, it's pretty bold to have Mahomes out there practicing already. I mean, you have to be careful. I mean, with your knee, we see so many knee injuries, and that's you know the the downfall of a lot of players. There's a lot of great players in the league. You come in and end up getting knee injuries, never the same, never as explosive. Uh, I mean, you look at Todd Gurley, not the same player. I know he's not as bad as Mahomes, obviously, but you still run the risk. Uh, I mean, you, you kind of now, you chalk up the Packers game as a loss. You don't just automatically go out there and lay an egg. You try to pull that off, but, I mean, take a few losses, uh, move on, make sure Mahomes is healthy. Like you said, the division is not going to get out of reach. Uh, Matt Moore didn't look too bad the game, you know, won the but you really have games. Have to think. So, I think long-term here, I really think that the Chiefs will be alright uh, in the terms of the quarterback here about to play millions of dollars. Right. Do this right the first time so you don't have to go through this again. And we've seen what happens if you rush a guy out there too quickly, what can happen. RG3 had an incredible rookie season and he was never the same again when he was thrown back in that playoff game and all the talent was there. Some of these other quarterbacks, you can go up and down the line. There's a lot of risk if you throw Mahomes out there again. And, you know, thinking about this next slate, as far as these games go, you know, yes, Patrick may be a hundred percent in three weeks, but I'm looking that game against the chargers in Mexico city, Tom, they didn't have that playing surface ready to go for that game in Mexico City last year. That field was so bad, they wouldn't even play. So if I'm the Chiefs, why would I play my star quarterback in Mexico City if the league didn't even trust anybody to play on that field last year? Why would I throw out a quarterback that is dealing with an injury, my franchise, my future, if that's the case? I don't think it makes any sense to go ahead and play him for a while, let him sit, especially that game in Mexico City, get healthy, and then move on from there. You have the bye week. Try to get this team as healthy as possible. This Chiefs team is dealing with a lot of injuries right now, and they cannot afford a single one more. They really need to stay uh, as healthy as possible for the postseason. The one seed should not be on this team's minds right now. The number one thing on this team's mind should be just get to the postseason and try to be as healthy as you can. Because right now, as long as they're dealing with these injuries, 
at best, we're talking about a division title here. Um, this, the two seed in the first round bye is not out of reach, but that shouldn't be what's on the team's minds right now. It should be go get healthy and make sure you win this division title. Do that first. Yeah, get in the postseason and then worry about the seeding. I mean, real obviously, no one's catching the Patriots. It's not happening at this rate. They, you know, they just got Mohamed Sanu from from Atlanta. They might not lose a game all season. Um, I don't know when that game in Foxborough is for Kansas City. It might be December. Um, but you know, obviously, you want to be healthy for that because if it does come down, if New England does drop a few games, or by God, I don't think they will. But if they do. In uh, the Chiefs, you know, the, if that's a, a you know a mini playoff for the one seed, then obviously you're going to want to be healthy and ready to go for that. Uh, as far as Mexico City goes, Kansas City would be stupid to even think about putting Mahomes on the field uh, for that. I mean, to be frank, I really don't think the NFL should consider playing as in Azteca after last season's debacle. Really, shouldn't even that shouldn't even be a thing. Right? It's a mistake, I think, and it's very selfish on the part of the NFL that they're so desperate to try to make every penny possible that they're going to put their players at risk and go to Azteca after that debacle last year. Not to mention, safety alone, you're talking about Mexico City, one of the most dangerous cities in the entire world where the cartels run amok and you know go crazy and you know people are getting kidnapped left and right and you're going to send down some of the best players in the NFL, that's a mistake, and I wish it wasn't the case, but that's something that they've chosen to do in that regard. Looking around the rest of the NFL this past week, uh, you know that the Chiefs, I'll say this much, as much as it hurts to see Patrick the way that he is and hoping to get him back and everything there, that win sure did feel like a loss against Denver with losing Patrick in that way, and that was certainly the story of the night. It wasn't the game itself. There were some good things from that game, believe it or not. The Pat, the uh, Chiefs defense played the best they've played all season, only giving up six points to Denver, and really it could have been a shutout if they didn't have those two penalties on third down against Denver on that uh, first possession of the game where they ended up giving up a, a touchdown. That Kansas City defense looked a lot better, but at the same time, Tom, it feels like fool's gold in a sense, considering just how bad that Denver offense is with Joe Flacco. Yeah, and I think you could trade, you know, injuries for losses. I think Kansas City would gladly trade and take an L in the law in the column uh, if they could have Patrick Mahomes healthy. I mean, I don't think that's any, you know, any doubt. I mean, you got a bye week. Sure, could have been a lot worse than it is right now. Um, but you got the Packers coming to town next week. Uh, I mean, can Kansas City pull off that Packers game? Sure. I mean, any given Sunday. But, you know, realistically, you think, hey, if we could trade a loss to Denver for Ellie Patrick Mahomes, you, anybody would do that. Uh, so, unfor- it did feel like fool's goal. That's a perfect way to put it. And then – you have this matchup with Green Bay, who's coming off a 42-24 to win over Oakland. And, Tom, if Patrick's 100% healthy, I'm not still picking Kansas City to win this game. Green Bay is just simply a better team than KC is right now. That they've 
have been winning games at a high level, but also have been beating quality opponents in the process too. The connection that Aaron Rodgers has with his coach Matt LaFleur and the running game with Aaron Jones and the way the defense has developed here, Green Bay is legit. I am very uh, saddened that we do not more than likely get to see this matchup between Rodgers and Mahomes on Sunday because I think it would be a heck of a ball game if those two play together. But in the meantime, the Chiefs are still going to you know, face a team that is going to be fantastic to deal with, uh, a very hard bunch this Green Bay team is. Green Bay, if they get this win, it's still going to be impressive. It's still a quality win even without Patrick Mahomes if they get this done. Green Bay is a force to be reckoned with. If you're not taking Green Bay seriously right now, you probably should start. Should have started yesterday. Yeah, really, and they could be undefeated right now. You know, one one loss to the Eagles on a game that was super close anyway. I mean, this team is every bit well. Maybe I'm not going to say that quite yet. I would say every bit as good as New England. Uh, but I wouldn't be shocked at the end of the you know at the end of the season if it was New England and Green Bay, uh, just the way Aaron Rodgers has played. Uh, Green Bay defense, you know, losing Clay Matthews didn't seem to affect him at all. He only got better. Uh, I mean, this is one of the more recent times I can think of of losing or you know taking your long tenured coach that you won a Super Bowl with, kicking him to the curb, uh, and, and then coming out of it like a phoenix and then. You know, getting a new coach, never been a head coach before, coming out and, and, and literally putting the NFC on notice. Maybe the Steelers should take note from Green Bay. I don't think they will. But on the other hand, Green Bay is playing really well. And, uh, I'm, you know, I, I'm excited to see the line with no Pat Mahomes, what that's going to be. Jones, you're going to be at that game? I will be watching uh, from my television screen at home. Um, because I had to be er, back at work early that next morning. But it'll be great to see the uh, Packers are a three-and-a-half-point favorite in that matchup with uh, the Chiefs, and that'll be one of our picks against the spread coming up later on in the show today. But uh, also looking around the NFL, you mentioned Mohamed Sanu joining the New England Patriots. The Pats giving up a second-round pick for Sanu, adding to that already impressive Patriots offense and it feels like the Patriots are just kind of taking it easy right now that they're beating all these bad teams beating them badly they haven't really been battle tested yet and yet they're just still playing outstanding outstanding football that defense might be the best defense Belichick has ever had and you know I think that you're hearing this talk about you know this is Brady's last year in New England or stuff like that you know from the so-called experts, kind of just to fill time, it seems, for New England, that everything's going so well that we have to manufacture controversy of some sorts for this team that's doing everything right just to have something interesting to talk about. Because right now, as it stands, New England looks far and above like the best team in the NFL, and no one is close by, and they're kind of boring. They are who we think they were, that this is another great, Brady Belichick team that is playing very well defensively. And right now, that's kind of the story with this team. Not a whole lot of controversy per se here and there. You're hearing this manufactured talk about Brady leaving, whatever. But so far from what we've seen, there's just 
nothing that says that that is going to happen for sure. I don't think that there's anything that would lead me to believe that right now, that this is going to be it for Brady in New England, just because, to me, there's no clear signs. Okay, he, he moved from Massachusetts to Connecticut. Well, I would say that's a better chance of him working for ESPN than leaving for another team, if you want to talk about moving, per se. Um, I mean, everything's just going right for the Patriots right now. Oh, doesn't that seem to be the case for the last however many years? Uh, I mean, for Tom Brady, I don't think it's too outlandish to say that he could be done at the end of the season. I wouldn't say he would be moving to a new team because I really doubt that would ever happen. It's kind of like Tim Duncan. That's like saying Tim Duncan with a year left would have left the Spurs. Never. Uh, I know Tony Parker did it, but it's not Tim Duncan. That's like saying, uh, yeah, I don't even know who I can compare that to right off the top. Um, But... That being said, I don't think it's too outlandish to say that Brady might be done after this year because, hell, if they go out and win the Super Bowl or if they were to go undefeated and win the Super Bowl, and, you know, we're almost halfway through the season, it's not outlandish to say that either because when you got the Dolphins again and the Jets again, and I know the Bills put up not a terrible fight compared to everybody else that's played them this season, I mean, they're going to go undefeated in the division. There's your six games right there. Um, I mean, the other, you know, halfway through, it's not outlandish to say Brady goes out, they, they take down and go undefeated and, and claim that Dolphins record that's been withstanding for however long um, and go out, win the Super Bowl, Brady retires. I, I'm dreaming at this point because I think if they do that, maybe he'll just want to come back for more. Um, but... It's not outlandish to me to say he would retire if they go out on top of the season. Uh, will he? I, you know, it is still manufactured. I will say that because you can't. I mean, what other storyline are you going to come up with? They're not going to lose. Right. The, the only other storyline, I guess, is their change at receiving core of bringing in Sanu, losing Josh Gordon. But even then, you look at the Patriots' receiving core. They started out the year with Antonio Brown, Josh Gordon, Julian Edelman and Demarius Thomas. Now it's Edelman, Sanu, Philip Dorsett, and Jacoby Myers. I know it's not the receiving core that they had at the beginning of the year, but there's a lot lot less headache there and still a very talented group. Brady's not going to have any problems getting in the football. In that game against the Jets, he he proved he still has the deep ball in hand, that he can still throw it around the yard. I know he's thrown four picks in the last four weeks, but... I could care less. Brady is still an elite quarterback, and you're not going to convince me otherwise. Exactly. And when you have the defense playing the way that it is, it doesn't matter. Hell, let him throw four picks in one game. I'm still taking the Patriots. Uh, I'm still taking the line. I mean, they just put a whoop down on the Jets and and made Sam Darnold see Ghost. If you're going to see Ghost against any team, it's going to be Bill Belichick's team. But uh, at the same time, golly, it's almost unfair. I mean, the point margin alone is at this rate going on if they finish the way they've been going on it's going to be historical it's not fair it's not fair at all what uh, new england's doing and you know the uh, jets they had a problem with espn and nfl films releasing that audio of uh, sam darnold saying he was seeing ghosts the jets have bigger concerns than what audio is being leaked of uh, their franchise and their players than than that regard the uh, Jets looks very much like an Adam Gates team this uh, past weekend which is exactly what they are 
How about the Saints? Another victory, and Teddy Bridgewater on a roll as they defeated the Bears 36-25. to The offense was just spectacular on the road as Teddy Bridgewater was 23 of 38 for 281 yards and two touchdowns in uh, the win for the Saints. And uh, sounds like Drew Brees is going to be back this week. And I told you at the beginning of this, Tom, I said that, look, Teddy Bridgewater and the Saints, they're going to be just fine. You look at what Teddy did in Minnesota, he was not that great of a quarterback, and he took Minnesota the postseason. This New Orleans team, I think, is much more talented than any team he had in Minnesota. I I said to you, I think they're going to be okay. They're going to be just fine. I thought okay may have been like 4-2 and two or 5-1. and one. I did not expect them to go undefeated in this stretch. I don't think anybody saw this coming that they would be this good. I think there are some folks like me that thought the Saints were going to be fine, but no one could envision this run that Teddy Bridgewater went on with this Saints team. And Teddy has certainly got some deserved attention from this, uh, whatever his future may be, whether it's to replace Drew Brees when he retires or to get a chance to be a starter elsewhere. Based on the way this stretch has gone, he certainly earned that opportunity to do so. Oh, of course he did. And we see this all the time when a star quarterback gets injured and they bring in the backup and they do so well. You know, Garoppolo, Castle, maybe it's maybe it's just the Patriots. But um, we see this a lot when this star quarterback goes down and the backup ends up showing a lot of promise. I mean, for the Saints, you know, you got to think Drew Brees is getting up there too. And while Drew Brees is good, I don't know if he has the stability that Tom Brady has. I mean, a lot of the times they use that backup quarterback uh, as a trade piece, as Nick Foles could be affectionately called. Um, usually they use it as a trade piece, get a first-rounder, uh, you know, after a small showing of six games. But, you know, no backup is really going to go 6-0. and um, I think the Saints would be damned to trade him. You know, you give Drew Brees the rest of this season and maybe next season. Uh, I mean, then why, you know, look for another quarterback to draft? Sure. Uh, but I think at this point you hold on to Teddy. Might as well. I don't see any reason why you wouldn't hold on to Teddy at this point based on what he's done. What is going on with the Cowboys? Every week is different with this bunch. You lose to the Jets one week and then come back to beat the Eagles at home 37-10. to And it seems like every time Jason Garrett is about to finally get fired, he pulls something out of his bag of trips, tricks and keeps his job in a fantastic 27-point win over a very good Philadelphia Eagles team. And Jason Garrett lives to see another day. He's on a one-year contract so far and if they make the postseason Tom believe it or not Jerry Jones might not have a choice he might have to give uh Jason Garrett another year believe it or not yeah and at this rate I mean with the how the Eagles are looking you know your R words and the Giants are going to make the postseason or give you a run at this point Dallas might win the division at eight and eight or nine and seven and still make the postseason and then take a first round exit and then Jason Garrett gets to coach another year. Uh, I mean, that is the plight of the Dallas Cowboys has been for a long time. Uh, I mean, I think at this point, if Jason Garrett doesn't make a huge turnaround with his team and make the NFC Championship, I think he should be gone. I think there's a lot of doubt. I would be hard-pressed to find a Dallas Cowboy fan that would agree or 
would want or would encourage Jason Garrett to stick around for another year. Right. We'll see what happens there. What's wrong with the Eagles right now, Tom? This is a team that going into 2019 looks like they might have the best offense in the entire league, and the offense just hasn't been there. I know that they have some problems with their secondary, some of the injuries they've suffered, but Carson Wentz and company really have just not put it together. And I know that Nick Foles was their quarterback down the stretch last year and down the stretch the year before that, but Carson Wentz can't be the only problem here. What's going on with this Eagles offense that seems to be struggling a bit? I mean, my guess is as good as yours. I mean, Carson Wentz doesn't look uh, as good as he, you know, he previously did. It's not looking as promising, honestly. Kind of having a mini, uh, like a, almost like a sophomore slump, the way the golf did, you know, for several games. I mean, maybe it's the draft class, not really, but uh, the Eagles definitely have some problems to overcome and, and to try to get past. I mean, you have the weapons. Uh, you have everything there. I heard a lot of Eagles fans complaining that uh, the owner wouldn't trade for Jalen Ramsey and he wouldn't trade for, you know, other pieces that were available, wasn't putting out there, wouldn't get the job done to give maybe the defense a little bit of relief. Um, and I, I not sure if they're too scared to make a move to fill some pieces that might need to be filled, but at the same time, there's no reason to, you know, be at the record they're at in the division that they're at. I mean, the only real test you have is the Cowboys. Uh, other, you know, you should beat the Giants. You should beat the Redskins. There's no reason not to. Not to say they won't, but when you're put in a division with one other team that can give you a run and the other team has a coach like Jason Garrett, you should be getting the job done. Uh, so for the Eagles, a lot of questions, as well as the Cowboys. Maybe not as pressing, uh, but they're still there. No doubt, no doubt. Let's uh, go around the league real quickly here, go through some of these real fast. Um, the Vikings defeated the Lions 42-30 to just a couple weeks ago. We talked about how confusing that Vikings team was the last two weeks, Kirk Cousins has played terrific. He's found his receivers, Diggs and Thielen and company. They've played really well as of late. And this team, now after all they went through of that shaky start to 2019, the Vikings are sitting at 5-2 and two on the season. Is it time to start taking the Vikings seriously? Is this a team, Tom, you think could win the NFC North? You know, not with the Packers involved. I mean, I think they're going to get a wild card. I do think that. Um, and, you know, you play the Lions as well. You know, they, that they're a beatable team. I mean, the Vikings have looked a lot better almost each and every week. Uh, they had their Kirk Cousins struggles, but he seems to be on the right pace. I don't think they're going to win the NFC North. I mean, you got the Packers right there, and I don't think Minnesota thinks they're going to win the NFC North. At this point, you, you play for the wild card. Uh, you know, injuries do happen. No bad juju on the Packers. But uh, you play, you know, the best to your ability. You play the schedule out. You try to win every game. You take one game at a time. When you have a team that is as dominant so far as the Packers have been, you take one game at a time. Uh, you know, you look forward after each win to the next team. You don't look any further than that. And at the end of the season, uh, you know, if you execute, you do what you need to do, uh, then you get rewarded with a wild card spot or hell, maybe even uh, maybe even the division if, if things change. Maybe so. Maybe so for that Vikings team. It certainly is impressed 
what they've done the uh, last couple of weeks. The Colts, they took down the Texans in the game of AFC South teams to defeat the Kansas City Chiefs. And the Colts, they're running on a mantra of run the damn ball, and that's what's worked for them. That's what is uh, going well for this Indianapolis Colts team as, uh, I mean, it's been impressive. And actually... Jacoby Brissett played very well against Houston with 326 yards and four touchdowns in uh, that win. So you have a solid run game for the Indianapolis Colts. Jacoby Brissett is coming along as a passer, and their defense with Justin Houston and company looks really good as well. Are you buying or are you selling the Colts as a uh, contender in the AFC, Tom? Man, I would have sold them at the the season, but... I mean, they are proving that they're rallying around Jacoby Brissett and they're playing good football and with a running back like Marlon Mack to take the load. Uh, they're getting it done. I didn't think they were going to beat the Texans. And week in and week out, the Colts are building a case. Yeah, they certainly are. They certainly are in that regard. The uh, Niners got a win over Washington on the road 9 to nothing. It was not pretty. But they kept the undefeated record alive and sit at 6-0 and on the season now. They do have some impressive wins over the Browns and Rams and Steelers, just to name a few. Tom, easy schedule, some would say. Um, they are undefeated, though. Are you buying this uh, Niners team as one of the best teams in the NFC, or do you think it's kind of just an easy start for this group to uh, the season? I do think it's a little bit easier, but if you go undefeated, we talked about like this like we did last week, talking about Baylor. I mean, you play who's on the schedule. You don't get the pick. I mean, you play the you play the games and, you know. All, Especially all in the NFL. You go ahead and win. All right? I mean, that's what it comes down to. And, and so I would say that I would be buying them a lot more than I am Seattle, and I said that last week. Um as well, after you beat the Rams, you know, Garoppolo's playing really well. Do I think that they're going to run away with the NFC West? No. Uh, am I biased? Yes. I still think Seattle and almost at St. Louis, be damned. Uh, Los Angeles are still in that division very much so. Um, the Cardinals are looking better. The NFC West is no joke. Uh, and the 49ers so far has been no joke. They did beat Washington and what I would like to call the slip and slide bowl because that's what it was uh hard to win in those conditions hard to put up any points in those conditions but uh you know nine more than your opponent you're gonna win so 49ers looking tough i I gotta buy them nice bounce back win for the rams over the falcons 37 to 10 the rams are now four in three on the year the Falcons are one and six. Two takeaways from this. Nice bounce back for the Rams uh, to do what they did, but it was against a bad team in Atlanta. How does Dan Quinn still have a job at this point? You know, I don't know, and I'm so glad that the Rams did what they did to the Falcons. Had a complete game. Uh, even had a fake punt and tried to do a little fake punt return uh, in a way, you know, kind of misdirection. I, you know, I was so happy that the Rams looked like the Rams, even though if it was against uh, one of the NFL's worst teams. And I wouldn't have said that at the beginning of the year. You got to watch that game. It didn't look like Julio Jones was so happy. Uh, and, and for Quinn, I really don't know. I, I mean, maybe they're holding on to that 
to that Super Bowl appearance still. I mean, at this point, you got to let him go. you got to figure something else out. Uh, Matt Ryan got hurt in that win, so I think they have Matt Schwab as a backup, and he's been around for a while. Uh, it's not going to get any better for the Atlanta Falcons, uh, sadly. Devontae Freeman to fight Aaron Donald, yeah, what, what I would like to call a death wish. Uh, I don't care what he said to you. You just don't try to fight some people. Um, but not looking good in Atlanta. No, not at all. I would say things are not going very well for that bunch. Last thing in regards to the NFL, you had a rookie quarterback battle between Kyler Murray and Daniel Jones last week, and Kyler Murray came out on top. He played okay, not great. He did not have a touchdown in the win against New York, but a win on the road nonetheless. Kyler Murray getting it done. Daniel Jones didn't play bad by any stretch, just not good enough to win. Both these rookie quarterbacks uh, looking good so far through this point in the season, and you got to give the edge to Kyler Murray based on uh, what he's done with uh, some big-time wins that they weren't supposed to, including beating that New York Giants team. But also, when I, I look at this as well with, uh, with this bunch, as good as they've played, both these quarterbacks had, definitely the two best rookie quarterbacks, neither one would be rookie of the year right now. That title would belong to Josh Jacobs on the offensive side and Devin Bush on the defensive side. Those guys have played well, but not to the level of those other two rookies. No, not a, well, of course not. Speaking of Josh Jacobs, it's nice to see an Oklahoma native you know, get some love. He's been playing out of his mind. Looked like a good pickup for the Raiders, and they pick up where they left off after the Marshawn Lynch days. Uh, and, and as far as playing the Packers and getting destroyed, uh, really I thought if you got to watch that game, the game turned when Derek Carr tried to extend over the goal line for a touchdown and ended up losing the ball and then giving the Packers a touchback. And then from there it just went all to shit. Um, but Raiders, you know, they got the obviously the pieces and the picks uh, to go along with it, so they'll be all right. But Kyler Murray, uh, I like what I see so far. You know, he's been put on a Cardinals team that, you know, not doing him any favors per se. When You know, when Seattle gets Quandre Diggs and Jadavion Clowney, the Rams get Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald, and you have a 49ers team is looking solid on defense. It's hard to win. Uh, I mean, his life's going to be tough for a while. Uh, he's been arguably put in the hardest defensive division in football, and, and with a brand-new coach who's never sniffed the NFL at coaching-wise, uh, I mean, tough position, and he's, you know, doing what he can. Uh, as far as Daniel Jones, I'm kind of rooting for him just because of what Baker said and, and the odds against him and, and people making fun of him being the eighth overall pick and, and, you know, who the hell is this Daniel Jones guy? Hasn't played bad either, but for Kyler Murray – uh, showing some toughness on that under six foot frame uh, because he is in the hardest defensive division in football. Uh, I know we're just getting now into the thick of the season, uh, but looks fine so far. Yeah, he does. He does. Let's move on and uh, talk college football now. Time to get our weekly Big 12 breakdown. KU nearly knocked off the Texas Longhorns as Cameron Dicker hit a game-winning field goal to get the win 52-48 and the Jayhawks fall to 
two and five on the year. Texas moves ahead to five and two on the season. Couple take takeaways from this one. Starting off with KU, Carter Stanley was unbelievable with one of the best games of his career with 310 yards and four touchdowns. And his numbers now look a lot better as his completion percentage is about 63% with 1,500 yards, 16 touchdowns, and four picks. Poker Williams with a heck of a game with 25 carries, 190 yards, and two touchdowns. He's second in the conference in rushing, and that's with playing less one last game than about everybody else as he was suspended for that week one performance. KU is a lot better offensively with this new offensive coordinator, Brent Deerman, taking over things and running the RPOs and suiting things to Carter Stanley's liking. A lot of reason to be optimistic for this KU team. I think they'll finish out with a win or two that they're not supposed to, maybe even this weekend against Texas Tech, possibly. As far as Texas goes, you just gave up 48 points to Kansas. And I know that Sam Ellinger played really well and you know, certainly was not his fault. Ellinger did his part. But if I'm Texas, there is major cause for concern right now. There should be anyway. With what you gave up to Kansas, you could argue that Kansas should have won that game in Austin. With Texas having two losses already, not looking impressive against OU, with losing to LSU like they did, I would be hitting the panic button if I'm Texas right now. I mean, we're, we're talking about this team. It seemed like a lock before the season began that they would be playing OU for the Big 12 title. That's not a given anymore, especially considering Baylor's record. And we'll talk about them here in just a second. Uh, Texas has got to do something different. This defense needs to improve pretty quickly here. Otherwise, they're going to be in big trouble. I mean, they have been injured all season, and, and – I'm not making excuses for Texas because I hate Texas. Uh, but, yeah, you almost thought that KU was going to do it. Uh, I mean, I had an itchy feeling that you come, you get super hyped for the Red River, uh, you lose it, not a good performance, uh, and, you know, against OU, and you come in, you don't get hyped for a team like Kansas, and then they almost get you. Uh, they're lucky to come out of that game with a win, and, and every bit of should have had KU, you know, uh, to move downfield for Dicker the kicker uh, to put it away. Uh, I mean, you do have to hit the panic button just a little bit. Yeah, you do, and a, a good effort by the Jayhawks to uh, get that, vic that uh, loss. Almost a victory, but not quite. Uh, Baylor, keeping the undefeated season alive with a dominating win against Oklahoma State, 45-27. to This game really got out of hand in the fourth quarter when uh, Baylor outscored Oklahoma State 21-7 to in that final quarter. Charlie Brewer, he played okay. He only threw 17 passes, had 312 yards and one touchdown. It was the run game that was really impressive for Baylor as uh, Hasty had 146 yards off of just 16 carries and two touchdowns. This Baylor team was so physical. They played well defensively. You know, we, we said last week that Baylor had to control what they could control. That, yes, they got off to an easy start to this year schedule-wise, but they still took care of business. They handled things, and now you get this win against Oklahoma State. You're standing at 7-0 and here. There's a lot of reason to feel optimistic about this Baylor team. They're sitting at 14th in the country. It's time for the nation to take this Baylor team seriously 
that they're not going to back down for anybody, that they're here to play some serious big-time football, and that was a huge road win on Saturday. It was, and unfortunately I was there to see it. Uh, I will say the train fell off the tracks for Oklahoma State um, in the fourth quarter. Uh, I mean, after Spencer Sanders dropped that ball and Baylor picked it up and ran it in for a touchdown, kind of knew it was over then. I will say an embarrassing performance for Oklahoma State defense in the second half. In the first half, they really held in there. I thought, okay, well, we're keeping them in check. Um, it was big plays for this Baylor offense that ended up derailing what I was going to hope for an OSU up that um, and, and derailed Oklahoma State's homecoming. Uh, you know, Hasty did have a pretty good performance. I don't even know the kid's name. It was number 21. I watched him multiple times get open across the middle and then go 60-plus yards first. That would be Josh Fleeks with uh, 126 yards receiving. Yeah, that will be a name, uh, really a number that I will not forget because uh, shredded him. I mean, Charlie Brewer didn't have to throw that many passes because the ones he did went for, you know, 30-plus most of the time. Yeah, it was unreal what uh, they were able to do offensively, that Baylor Bears team. As far as Oklahoma State goes, uh, the Cowboys sitting at 4-3. and three. They've lost... Uh, a lot of games out of, as of late. They're seven and eight in uh, their last fifteen games there under Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State, and they're just not improving. They're stagnant. Nothing is really on the uptick for that Oklahoma State team. They've had good quarterbacks, but they haven't found any consistency. That defense is so bad here. Tom, is it time to start thinking about whether it's time to move on from Mike Gundy or not or is that a little premature to start wondering about Mike Gundy's future in Stillwater you know I think it is you do start to wonder because Mike Gundy seems like he's getting a little complacent uh he likes to have these big rants after the game that you know outside people just don't understand and he just says the same every week so maybe start you know it's definitely time to put him on the hot seat Granted, it is a freshman quarterback, but you can only say that so many times. I think Gundy's calling the plays. I don't. I think they're paying Sean Gleason for nothing. I haven't seen anything different than what your situation was doing, uh, albeit just not the production uh, is not there like it was last season. Uh, I still think that. I mean, are they? They're making a bowl. I think they beat Kansas, and I think they beat West Virginia. In every other game that they're going to play, uh, I think they lose to Iowa State. They lose to OU, uh, and I think that TCU is kind of a meh game. Well, and there's just simply no excuse for this Oklahoma State team. You mentioned that well, they're playing a freshman quarterback, whatever. Yeah, because Mike Gundy chose to play a freshman quarterback. He's got a senior on his bench and Drew Brown that appeared to be ready to go as well. And so that's that's a choice that Mike Gundy made. A true freshman quarterback won the national championship last year with uh, Clemson last year and Trevor Lawrence. Playing a true freshman quarterback is just not an excuse. And this Oklahoma State team, I think, is in big trouble going forward, and they have to do something differently. Otherwise, this could really get away from them. K-State with a win over TCU, 24-17. to And K-State did play two quarterbacks. They played Max Dugan and Alex Delton. Neither one of them played that great. Skyler Thompson played good enough. And this wasn't going to be a flashy game. We knew that going in ahead of time, Tom. 
and K-State did just enough. They took care of business at home. They're standing at 4-2 and two on the season, and K-State's defense has played really well so far to this point, but that offense is uh, not going to get that music going any louder than it already is. This is going to be you know, a Mozart melody of some sorts all season long for that K-State offense because they're just not an explosive bunch. No, and they, and that's just typical of K-State. They, you know, kind of, I wouldn't say rely on the defense by any means, but they're not a hurry up. They're not a get you on your toes. They're not. They just don't do that. They're very methodical when they are good, and when they're bad, they're just bad. Uh, so, you know, we talked about before the show. Uh, I don't know when the last time KU won the Sunflower Showdown, but I would say this year is probably their best bet to do it in a long time. Yeah, they almost did it last year, uh, losing by three in Manhattan last year, so they certainly have a chance to do it. Tom, I warned you about Brocktober. You did not listen to me, per usual. And through the month of Brocktober, Iowa State is 3-0, and and they're about to go 4-0 and again in the month of Brocktober. Brock Purdy has been tremendous as uh, he threw for 378 yards and three touchdowns in the win against Texas Tech last week. 34-24. to 24. They're ranked 23rd in the country. They have hit their stride now, and once you take on Oklahoma State, then you finish with OU, Texas, KU, and K-State. This Iowa State team could finish on a high note. Maybe they steal one from OU or Texas and then take care of business against KU and K-State. You're, you're looking at this Iowa State team having a chance, maybe it takes a bowl game to do it, but being a 10-win football team and their chances of playing in the Big 12 title game are not out of the picture yet either. A uh, good run this uh, last few weeks for this Iowa State team, and they hit their stride, and now you can admit that I was right about Iowa State in the month of October. No, not yet, because it's not over. Oh, boy, shoot, kicks the shit out of them. So you can look like a fool like you do. I pick them every week. Um, I, I did better than you this week. Or, I did better than you this week, so you have no room to talk. But carry on. You are like seven or ten games than you were last season. Until you put together a complete week, then you can talk. You beat me by one game, and that is only because I took Oklahoma State, and where usually I wouldn't. Um, so that point. Hold the phone on that. You were very confident. You said some words that I can't say on this air about Oklahoma State and how you felt about the Cowboys. So don't give me that BS on that. You knew very well what you were getting into picking Oklahoma State. This Iowa State team is legit, and you just need to buy in now. So, no. So you said that, you know, a freshman quarterback won the national championship last year. That's because he's at Clemson. This is Oklahoma State. Of course, Spencer Sanders is not going to be good as Trevor Lawrence. That is a bad take, and I'm here to expose it. All right? I hope OSU goes in and kicks that ass, and then we can go next week and take the clip of you saying, Brocktober this. You are going to be wrong, Tyler Jones. I'm going all in. I am going to stay. Oklahoma's going to whoop that ass this week just so you can eat crow. You just said a few minutes ago you like Iowa State to win. Make up your mind. I do, but I 
I'm really hoping you eat a good dose of crow. You don't like OSU. You don't like OSU as much as you love OU. I don't have a preference on either team. I'm not a fan of anybody. I'm impartial. I'm just here to be entertained. Nine one eight. Get Billy Locke on the show. <laughs> did we just give? You didn't just give Billy's number out on the air, did you? And I hope they call him too, because it'd be funny if Billy got prank called. But slowly roll with Iowa State. For what it's worth, I hope KU dismantles Iowa State when they play. Just because you have such a hard on for Brock Purdy, it's ridiculous. Because he's a great quarterback. What's wrong with like Brock Purdy? You know, I mean, he's good. Don't get me wrong. He did. He has impressed. But this whole Brock Tober nonsense. I'm over it. He's he's seven and zero in the month of October. It's a real thing. Okay, what's Jalen Hurts? It's not Jalen Tober. It's Jalen Year. Okay. You, you're not high on Charlie Brewer. Where's Brewer's Oktoberfest for Charlie Brewer? We can have one for him too. Like he's got Brewer in his name. Playing by the rules, Charlie Brewer, Baylor Bears. Okay, so you want Charlie Brewer to have a little bit of love. I get it. All right, that's fine. I mean, you got to give him some love. If you're giving Purdy some love, you got to give Brewer some love. Hey, I gave, I gave Baylor more attention than anybody else would. Um, I jumped on that bandwagon very quickly. Uh, I like this Baylor team, and so I did give credit where credit's due for the record uh, as far as that goes. Real quick, OU got a win against West Virginia last week. I mean, it was OU. They did what they do. 52-14, to 14, nice win. The offense was unbelievable. No surprise there. The defense, though, played very well. And another week where this OU defense has progressed, where they're showing signs of growth. And, uh, I mean, if you're an OU fan, you have to like what you're seeing from this defense, that there is clear improvement from a season ago uh, with that group based on how they've played so far uh, halfway through the season now. They're lucky they didn't play Iowa State last week or Brock Tober might have got them. I mean, that's probably true. I mean, Brock... No, it's not. Let's be real. Obviously, OU's not going to lose the game. Iowa State might upset OU. You never know. I mean, they've done it before. I don't think it's going to be this year. I mean, OU's just playing too good right now. I mean... Really, Jalen Hurts is having one of those seasons where it doesn't even matter how good the defense. Even if the defense wasn't as good last week, it wouldn't have mattered. There's very few games this year that would have really mattered because the offense is clicking on all cylinders. It's it's what the Sooners do. It's not a surprise anymore to me um, that they are this good. Jalen Hurts is probably gonna, you know, this is gonna be a high. I would right now, Jones. Would you be shocked if Jalen Hurts wins the Heisman? No, he's one of the favorites right now. Right, I mean, but above all else, would you have been? Would you be shocked at the end of the year if he just runs away with it? No, I would not be shocked one bit. I think it's going to happen. It just might. We'll see what Tua does. I know that he's injured. He's going to be out this week, so that certainly helps Jalen in that regard. Jonathan Taylor had a pretty bad loss for Ohio State, so maybe Jalen is the guy going forward. A lot more to come on the Jones Report today. We will get to our picks against the spread, plus a little Tom Fullery coming up here in just a bit. But first, let's welcome in Alex Gold to the Jones Report right now. 
Joining us now on the Jones Report this week for Best Bee Nation Radio. You can hear him every single night. And uh, he is based down in Houston where the Astros are in the middle of the World Series right now. It is Alex Gold who joins us back on the Jones Report once again. Alex, appreciate the time. What's happening, man? Not a whole lot, you know. Uh, just, you know, this the Astros World Series going on. Rocket Series about to start here. You, you definitely... Uh, Kind of got to get the sense of the energy around town with uh, all the overlapping in sports. It's a good time to be doing sports talk radio. You know that. Oh, absolutely. That's uh, great to see. Set the scene for us. How are things uh, down there with uh, the excitement of the Strohs right now in this run that they're on? This uh, great season. They've been playing great baseball just from the jump this year. This is kind of where they expected to be. It is. I mean, not not to to be arrogant about it from from an Astros fan perspective, which there's there certainly I don't I don't think the fan base is necessarily having that direct mindset of, oh, hey, we're, we're, we're going to go ahead and, and roll through. But I think the expectation was that you're at least going to the World Series, and it's, it's one of those years where, given the fact that it's three straight 100-plus win seasons, you went out at the trade deadline and you added Zach Greinke, and I know he hasn't been all that impressive here in the postseason, but you look at, you look at their starting three there in the rotation. Other than the team they're facing now, uh, and the Nationals, nobody had that kind of rotation. And so the expectation was World Series and, and to some extent, win the World Series. It's pretty crazy uh, to, to be around another World Series run here. We were, we were talking, you know, in the past about the Royals run. And it's not the same vibe for me personally, obviously, just because I don't have the, the connection. And two years ago, you know, this Astros team won the World Series. So, I mean, there's plenty of excitement in the city, but I don't know. I'm sure if I was here in 2017 when they were trying to win their first one there, I I'm sure it would have had more of that feeling of back in KC in 2015. I don't know about you, Alex, but I look at that that Astros team, and I envy it in the sense that you look back to 2015, the Royals beat the core of that Astros team when they were very young uh, with what the Royals had back then. And, and you see, you know, for years – on the come up, the Royals and the Astros were compared with one another, and I look at that group. I'm like, man, what 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 could have been? It would have been so cool if those teams would have been competing toe to toe with each other right now. If the Royals would have found a way to make that all work. No, you're right. I mean, Jose Altuve was part of those. Also, go before that run. I mean, Jose Altuve, the Astros was part of these teams that were dreadful and at the bottom, you know, of, of all baseball, and he's kind of. The guy that, that after what he's done over the last few years, what he just did in the ALCS to send him to the World Series, he's going to go down, and people are already saying, you know, not not even just Ashes, but you're starting to talk Houston sports history as, as maybe the, the best of all time or the most memorable player of all time. Now, some people, there's a lot of debate uh, within that, certainly, but it, it's certainly a strong case for Jose Altuve, and you're right, they have this core group of guys, and out of this year's team, I mean, Garrett Cole's going to be a free agent. Whoever's going to pay him the most amount of money is going to, is going to land him next year. So whether that's the Yankees or, or the Astros find a way to get it done, there's that's been a discussion throughout the year. But for the most part, this group of guys, this Astros team, much like the Yankees, even though they lost, neither of those two teams are going anywhere. And you would suspect that the Astros and Yankees very well, we might be looking at another ALCS a year from now. Yeah, and when the Astros won the World Series the last time, it was the Yankees in that one as well. So yep. uh, very familiar territory. We could be seeing uh, some uh, parody as far as that is concerned between uh, that group and those guys uh, staying up there uh, for a while. We'll, we'll see how that goes. But, uh, Alex, uh, the, the big news around here, and I know that you as a Chiefs fan are following so closely, is this 
injury with Patrick Mahomes, and uh, he obviously missed the uh, second half of that game against Denver with that kneecap injury, and it looked like the initial indications were you know really bad for Mahomes. We were talking about season ending and such. Then that turned into three weeks, and now as we're taping this on Wednesday, Mahomes is practicing again. So this has been a, a it, it feels like a, a whirlwind of what's have what's transpired in this uh, last week or so of how quickly things have changed for the Chiefs. I hope they don't rush Patrick back, but all of this is a good sign to see where this has gone, comparatively speaking, where it, it what it could have been. 100%. I mean, it's an incredible thing to see that he was even able to walk around at practice. Heck, it was incredible just the fact that he walked off the field last Thursday night there after dislocating his kneecap. Everybody saw the video immediately. Everybody's seen the video probably 10 different times by by now, and you're, you're absolutely right, though, you, you cannot rush this thing. And I, I don't think there's any reason to believe that the Chiefs would uh, make a poor decision there, that Patrick Mahomes, as big of a competitor as he is, yes, he wants to get back, but he realizes where he's at in his career, still very, very early in his hopefully 10-plus year career still to come, uh, someone that knows he's going to get that massive payday potentially this offseason of whether it is plus million. I mean, there's way too much at stake for both him and the Chiefs, but you're right. I mean, everything has gone as good as you could possibly imagine, considering that injury. I've never felt happier to hear that, you know, coming from a Chiefs fan perspective, and I'm sure other Chiefs fans can relate, happier to hear that your quarterback's going to be out maybe a month. You know what I mean? Considering what the what the alternative could have been. But they're, even though they haven't officially ruled him out, you know, and all this, kind of, to me, I think he's out at minimum the next two games. That's at minimum, and, and probably... I think we're, we're looking more towards that Titans or Chargers game. Right. And the way I would look at it, you have those offensive linemen that are hurt, Eric Fisher, Wiley, and company. There's no need to rush this back if he doesn't have a healthy offensive line. Right. And you know, people are talking about that, hey, it takes three weeks for this to recover and such. I don't want Patrick Mahomes anywhere near Mexico City and the turf problems that they've had there and everything. You got a bye week after that. There's really no need. Matt Moore, I believe, can get you to two and two in that four game stretch. And to me, that would be just fine. Everything would be all right. Get Patrick all the time he needs, get that offensive line all the time that they need, and then go from there. Oh, if you get if you go two and two, you go five hundred during the stretch, the Packers, Vikings, Titans and in Chargers, as you mentioned, in Mexico City, you'll take that in a heartbeat. You get to 7-4 and four on the season, and, and you look ahead to your schedule. You still have quite a few home games remaining as well. I know, I understand they've lost two, two at home, but still in the back half of the season. And you get, let's say, Eric Fisher back, alluding to the, the O-line injuries, and, and Wiley, and let's see what happens with, with Chris Jones as well a little bit later on in the season. All of a sudden, I mean, the way the AFC has played out this year, other than the Patriots, who seem to be miles ahead of everybody else, uh, Look at happened to the, the Texans this past week uh, against the Colts. The Ravens had a massive win against Seattle, but nobody is going to run away with the two-seed. The two-seed is still going to be there for the Chiefs to potentially have, and certainly the AFC West. I, I'm really not concerned whatsoever about the AFC West. To me, Kansas City is going to win this division because I think – not that they will, but they could go 9-7, and seven and I think they win the division this year. 100%. Uh, I've been saying that as well. This is not going to be a hard division to capture. And as crazy as it is with this Kansas City Chiefs team, Alex, everybody's act like the world is collapsing and falling down and everything. 
if the playoffs started today, they would actually be the two seed as it's right. as it is right now. I mean, the, the Chiefs are going through a tough time, but realistically, this is still one of the best teams in the NFL. Everything is going to work itself out just fine, and I don't think their record, if they get everybody healthy by the time the playoffs start, their record is not going to indicate the talent that they have, uh, that they'll be a much better team than that record will indicate, and whether they have home field or not, uh, the main thing, the priority number one is just to have a healthy team and go from there. Yeah, have to have everybody back first and foremost, Mahomes, and then I think the next most important is Eric Fisher to me, and then you then you go from there. Chris Jones probably would be the, that third guy on the list, and then Sammy Watkins if you're trying to you know lay out. And who knows? I mean, unfortunately, we realize there's gonna there's probably gonna be another injury or two right here in the next couple of weeks. That's the way the the National Football League works. Clearly, the the Chiefs are not the only team that have had some big time injuries. The big question for me is in this next week or so as we get close to that trade deadline we're just a little under a week away from that are they willing to make a move and and all year long and even going back to training camp the question was all right are they going to make a move of the deadline for a defensive player and you wonder with these injuries the Mahomes being out for let's see three four weeks we'll, we'll find out ultimately how long it's going to be does that change their mindset or do you still go for it and we've seen trades across the national football league this week a couple wide receivers on the move to new england and san francisco we've seen you know, uh, Jalen Ramsey, of course, goes from Jacksonville to the Rams. There's not a whole lot of guys out there, I feel like, that are, are going to be available to address the two need, the biggest, two biggest needs, which is, you know, a defensive lineman or, or uh, someone in that secondary. Darius Slay and Detroit, uh, have, they won, have they been competitive enough to, to not trade off some guys? And obviously Patrick Peterson, the, the biggest name over in Arizona, where at least if you believe their GM, Steve Kime, they're not willing to move on from them. So I just don't know who you're going to be able to go out and get to help that defense, which despite how good they looked against the Broncos, I think you and I both realize the Broncos were horrendous. Joe Flacco's is, is horrendous as well. And it's, it, it's a great step in the right direction, a nice confidence boost. But this defense still has plenty of issues. We're talking to Alex Gold right now here on the Jones Report this week. Alex, uh, that quarterback position, uh, Matt Moore is the guy until Patrick Mahomes is back healthy. What's your confidence level in uh, Matt Moore to get the job done until Patrick comes back? Yeah, I, mean, I don't know if my confidence level in him is, is all that high, except we know that he was able to take a Miami Dolphins team right to the, to the postseason a couple of years back. Um, but let's not forget that he was a high school teacher, a high school coach, <laughs> just about seven, seven weeks or so ago. He wasn't even the original backup for this team. That was Chad Henney, who, who was working his way back into the mix now, potentially. But the reason why you, you, you do have to say you have a little bit of confidence is because of Andy Reid and his ability to now with 10 days off, too. I mean, there, it wasn't terrible timing if you're looking at the injury, just in terms of it wasn't like you, you're hurt on a on a Sunday night and you got to turn around and play Thursday was the opposite. You got hurt on a Thursday night, you play on a Sunday night. So you have some time to get Matt Moore, even more familiar with the system. Clearly you're going to have to design some things that put him in a good spot. I think you're going to see them have to rely on the running game some more, which is not the worst thing in the world to get a little more balance with this offense. But, uh, you know, I think this Green Bay game on Sunday, nobody should expect them to win this game. They're, what, four and a half, five point underdogs but I think Matt Moore at least in the first half they're not going to put him in spots where he's going to make make those mistakes I don't think he's gonna he's gonna make a ton of mistakes for me it's gonna be are they able to with their with their defense hold Green Bay to that 
21-point range and therefore give Matt Moore a chance to win? Because Matt Moore is not going out and putting up 28 points or more. You know what I mean? I, I think it's your defense going to have to keep Aaron Rodgers in that 21-point range and then see if you see if you can't get a nice drive or two offensively and, and just kind of put some pressure and see if you're there in the final six, seven minutes of that fourth quarter if it's a one-possession game and, and see if you can't steal one. Right. I'm with you 100%. Last thing on the Chiefs here, Alex, this, uh, this team, if – they are healthy. If you get this team back 100%, where do they compare to New England? I know New England's undefeated, but they have played one of the weakest schedules in the league so far at this point, too. I know that they just brought in Mohamed Sanu, uh, traded the second-round pick for him. Where does a healthy Kansas City team compare to New England, you think, at this point? I know they're going to play each other, but right now, uh, is it are they within distance of, of the Patriots? You know, on our show this week, we were going through and just trying to find who that second team was. And the one that I continued to come up with, and even my producer, we were going back, and even some some callers that we had, it was always the Chiefs as that second best team they AFC. I just don't, I still think we've seen Kansas City go down to the wire last year in the AFC title game with New England. We saw it go down to the wire last year with New England in the regular season. We know Kansas City is capable of being there, giving themselves a shot. I don't know if these other teams, Texans, Colts, Ravens, and the Ravens and Patriots, by the way, do play each other here in a few weeks. I, we haven't seen them be able to match it. Uh, I agree with you on the schedule for the Patriots. I, I, I've heard that a lot. I've gone back and forth with people. They have lucked out tremendously with the way the schedule has fallen. It definitely gets tougher starting here in a week or two on, on the back half. They've got games against Houston and Kansas City, the Cowboys, and, and the Eagles, if the Eagles ever get their stuff uh, together as well. The thing with this defense, though, it, whether you want to say it's historical, and through seven weeks it is, the, the, the Patriots defense, whether you want to say it's just schedule-related, it still is the best defense that Bill Belichick has had. All right, That has to scare the hell out of you if you're Kansas City. However, this offense that the Patriots bring out there is not nearly as dynamic as what we have seen over the years in New England. Now, you look at Kansas City's defense, you say, all right, does that, does that even the playing field a little bit? But the Josh Gordon injury that we learned today, Josh Gordon's on IR. He is done for the year. So that more reason why they brought in Muhammad Sanu. They don't have a whole lot of weapons offensively. Now, you never count out Tom Brady, but no, Kansas City is absolutely still going to be. If they're healthy and they play and they get back to where we thought they were pre-Mahomes, Eric Fisher injury, uh, then, then of course they're going to have a shot. But this game's going to be in Foxborough. I think we know how this is all trending right now, and uh, it's going to be a hell of a dogfight. No doubt, no doubt about it. Alex, uh, let's move on, talk uh, some uh, KU hoops here. You saw the news that the uh, Jayhawks are going to take on Missouri next year as uh, the return of the border war. I wasn't fortunate. I, I didn't grow up a KU fan, and when I went to KU, they didn't have the uh, border war. Uh, that was you know, they on hiatus when I was in school, so I'm unfamiliar with the with this how it all played out the hatred you, you were there at, at KU at the time when it was the end of the border war and saw it all play out like it did what what do you think of what comes to mind when you think of the border war in, in the history of this great rivalry Alex you know I've had a, a couple of days to think about it because I, I was so pumped and honestly stunned to, to see the announcement the other day that the border war at least for basketball is back and, and, the, and the few things right away that I thought of I was fortunate enough to be and you're right I was a student at the time to go to the final two KUMU basketball games, both in Columbia and then at Allen Fieldhouse. And, and we know how great both of those finishes were. Missouri was able you know, to take the one in Columbia and then Kansas with that, that block from Thomas Robinson to send it into overtime. And, and that, those are moments that you'll never forget. And then you just go back in the historical context and the hatred between the two sides. It, it's great for the city of, 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 of 
the uh, Kansas City as well, where you're going to have the, the first game there at Sprint Center, and you bring some passion. You don't have football with these two schools anymore, but you, you have this connection. The hate's still there. Everybody trying to downplay it over the last couple of years that, oh, we don't, we don't need you. And I'll be honest, when it first happened, when Missouri left the SEC, uh, I was happy Kansas canceled the schedule. I think a lot of Kansas fans that had the support, the university and the athletic department had the support of alums and donors, and I think that's how most people felt. But as time has gone on, I think you realize how special that is, and there's something missing on that regular season schedule. And with all due respect to, to Kansas State, who has, has made it fun at times in basketball with Kansas, certainly over the last couple of years, and there's definitely at least, I think, more so on the Kansas State side than the Kansas side, some hatred between the two. There's nothing compares to Kansas and Missouri and that rivalry. That's one of the better rivalries in, in all of college sports, and it's awesome that it's just coming back. I'm fired up. I even looked in my uh, – I went in the closet the other day to go and see, and I hadn't pulled it out in a while, but uh, the, the Muck Fazoo shirt, those uh, Lawrence <laughs> uh, folks know all about Joe College and all that. Uh, so, no, it brings back some good memories, and I'm excited to see, and it's great that – after the first year, they're going to go to the college sites. I'm happy this isn't just, oh, we're renewing it, and every year it's at Sprint Center. No, there's there's nothing like the atmosphere you're going to get at the Fieldhouse or in Columbia. Right. I'm with you there. And, you know, it's great to see this happen. It's never going to be the same level that it was before because you don't get two games uh, in one yep. season. That You only have one game going on. It's not for a conference title by any means either. It's a non-conference game. Um, you, you're never going to get to that level, but it's still great to see this work out in some way, shape, or form that the powers that be let this happen because I, I know there's some angry KU fans out there, but the majority of folks, the vast majority, wanted to see this, and this is a game that's for the fans, that's driven by the fans, and if the people want it, I, I don't see any problem with making this happen to please the fan base that wants to see this. Right. Well, what's the downside? I, I just don't get that from, from those that have been upset. And it's not the majority. As you said, the majority are happy with this decision, certainly on the Missouri side, and I think a majority on the, on the KU side as well. I just don't What's the downside here? You get to bring back some of that fun rivalry, and you get to go compete against the team that you hate. And if you aren't, if you hate them so much and all that, and you think, oh, they don't benefit us, if that's still your mindset, then you're going to beat the hell out of them anyway, right? I mean, I don't see the, you know, I don't see the negative there, and I don't think though this rivalry comes back. And I want to get your side if you agree. You're in Lawrence. With all this stuff going on with KU right now and the notice of allegations and pending sanctions that are ultimately going to come, I don't think this happens without that. And I'm a firm believer that I have my doubts that Bill Self will be around for this series to begin with. Right. And I was talking to Dennis Dodd of CBS this past week, and he thinks that next year, for sure, KU is going to be on a postseason ban. And so yep. if that's the case you got to give your fans something to cheer for, exactly. something to exactly. enjoy. Um, otherwise, you know, what are you playing for? Because you're obviously not playing for a tournament berth to, uh, you know, freshen up that resume. And let's just say, let's say that, you know, for whatever reason, KU gets by and, you know, the, you know they still get to play in the NCAA tournament, no postseason ban of some sorts. You're still looking at, okay, a Power 5 team that is within your region is on your schedule every single year and their arrival. To me, I don't see how you can lose in this situation. Even if you do, let's say, lose these games per se, Mizzou yeah. is never going to be a bad loss. Kim Anderson is not walking through that door anytime soon. <laughs> That's right, yeah. No, I I think the 
the thought behind this whole series, from, and this to me, for the first time maybe in a while, was one of those where I, I don't know if Bill Self had all that much say in. You know, in the past with some other athletic directors and, and just given the standing of, of Bill Self and what he's accomplished throughout his career, he had a ton of pull. If he didn't want to play Missouri, they weren't going to play Missouri. And I think that day, uh, those days have come and gone uh, for a variety of reasons, and certainly most notably now with, with notice of allegations that are out there, you have the relationship with, with Bill Self and, and Jeff Long, and who knows how strong of a relationship that is. And I, I think that's why this all came together. Whether or not Bill Self's here for the series or not, I don't think he had much of a choice because this is something that just as recently as, what, two years ago he was very against, it sounded like, and, and now all of a sudden it's happening. Right. And, I mean, you can say what you want from Bill Self, whether it was, oh, I missed the series or the showdown for relief, you know, really made me enjoy this again, whatever. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, you look at this game, it was just as exciting back in 2012 as uh, it ever was. There's nothing that you can just say that you, you changed your mind that you missed it. I'm not buying that from self. I, I, I like the guy, but I'm just not no, I'm buying that he just you know, flipped a switch overnight and said, you know what, I want this back uh, by any means. But uh, it's going to be great for the fans, I think, and we'll see how it all uh, plays out going forward. I know you don't get to talk much college basketball on, on the national scene and stuff, but I know <laughs> you'll be following KU pretty closely here. You, you excited to see this bunch with Doak back and Dotson and Ochai and some of these others here? I mean, a lot of high expectations for this crew. No, I'm definitely excited to see. I mean, it's weird, you know, just as far as college basketball. It, it's I'm so not ready for it yet. I'll, I'll get there when we when we get into heck, even the, the game against Duke early on in the season there. And from from where I'm at now, it is a little tricky because I don't probably talk a whole lot, as you said, a lot of college basketball until I get into March here, just in terms of my show. But of course, I'm I'm still watching KU all the time, and I, I want to see what this group of guys can do. And with the sanctions coming too, I think has a chance to be a very special year and, and I, I would say to KU fans sit back enjoy this one because we don't know what uh, the, the future holds for the program and how many years of you know it, it could be in terms of postseason bans or whatever other sanctions come and who knows what the coaching situation is going to be so sit back enjoy this team they're the preseason number three in the country once again favorites to win the Big 12 I do think they have a special group and uh, I, I did see though Devon Dotson's got a, a, a boot on his left leg so hopefully that's not a right leg hopefully that's not yeah, Bill said it's only about three or four days and that the natural instinct anytime that there's a foot concern of some sorts is to put a boot on it. So we'll see okay. if that really lasts or if he's uh, just kind of playing things up a bit. We'll see uh, as far as that goes. But definitely does raise some eyebrows as far as Devon goes uh, with that uh, that injury to his foot there. And uh, you, you bring up a good point that I was thinking about there, Alex, is that um, you know, enjoying this moment, you know, we we saw what how late night went down with the Snoop Dogg thing and <laughs> the the stripper poles and all that. If, yeah. if I'm KU in this case, knowing that you know things are coming and the way that the NCAA has has handled this deal, I would personally just embrace being the heel. That you know, that, hey, this is going to be the last Mario go around of some sorts, just to screw you to the NCAA and go out there and ball and see what you can do. It, it doesn't seem like KU is quite taking on that approach but uh to me that's what how i would approach this is just make the most of what you have with this one year i think that's all you can do i think that's how you have to approach it and if you're bill self i mean i i think he even said something similar uh, not at the big 12 media days that were this week but what a week or so ago at the just the ku their own media days there in lawrence kind of just that you know that he's more excited for this year than he has been, you know, and I know you say, oh, that's cliche, but I actually believe it this time around. Just given all the, the turmoil here in the off season and everything, I think he's more motivated than ever to go out there and find a way to win 
win a title, and I think that uh, that that obviously bodes well if you're a Kansas fan. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. A couple more things with you, Alex. Uh, what what do you make of what Les is doing with this uh, football program here? A very close one on uh, last yeah. Saturday against uh, Texas. So that was the most enjoyable KU football game I've watched in years, and I, I think I speak probably for a lot of, of KU fans. I, I think you, you probably would agree with that. Just from from watching at home, not being at the game, and I almost made the trip to Austin. I thought about it, but the world, the uh, ALCS was going on that night here in Houston. But otherwise, I was going to make the trip, and then I was like, "Yeah, do I want to go there?" Because I'll be honest, I didn't think they'd be all that competitive. But that was fun to watch. I think that that game right there—that that's what KU fans are asking for. Of course, you want to win. At some point, you got to win games. That's what it comes down to. But to go on the road against a top 25 team and it's Texas to perform like KU was the better team on that field that night. There's not no doubt in my mind. They were the better football team. They should have won that game. It's been a while since you've been able to say that about Kansas in a conference game on the road in the game period. That offense was so much fun to watch. And obviously the switch and an offensive coordinator. The big question I have is, all right, what do you look like here in week two of that? Because they had, the bye week in between, I'm sure there were some looks that Texas had never seen given the, the OC switch. So now that there's a little more tape with the offense, what adjustments uh, does Kansas make to, to counter that? And is, does this offense keep rolling this next week? Uh, and, and they got an opportunity here this weekend maybe to surprise some people. Uh, what are they? They're just a what, three-point dog, something like that. Not, not too big underdogs, right? Yeah, three and a half to uh, Texas at home this week for homecoming. And the thing that stood out to me is a guy like Carter Stanley, you and I have seen his entire career and nothing ever stood out that really impressed me about Carter Stanley that said he could be, you know, a good quarterback in the Big 12, that there was really anything that, that pointed that direction. And now all of a sudden we're talking about a guy that's got a completion percentage of 63%, uh, close to 1,500 yards, 16 touchdowns, four interceptions. It's amazing what less in this coaching staff with Dearman and everything has really brought out in uh, in Carter Stanley that just a little bit better coaching and this guy's taking off he looks like a whole different quarterback he does and go back to the Boston College game and if anybody's watched any of the the miles to go on ESPN plus and you probably remember this where after that first drive where, where Carter Stanley I think he threw that that terrible interception I think it was the first drive of the game against Boston College and it looked like they were based off of the the audio that was in that they were pretty close to pulling him. They were going to give him one more series. And then here we are a couple weeks later, a month later, right? And we're talking what you just said about Carter Stanley's completion percentage and the offense is rolling and all that. My, my question is, though, that why not go ahead and, and, and made this switch with the OC ahead of time? I understand the, the tricky situation right. with, with Chip Lindsey, who ended up getting the head coaching job at Troy, and they were put in a tough spot. But now you're kind of sitting back saying, wow, would have liked to have seen what they could have done all offseason with, with, with Dearman as the OC. No question. No question about that. That uh, certainly is what we're all thinking, uh, what should have been the case, especially when you see the results that are there uh, right now as far as that goes. The other thing that I took away from that game, Alex, is Texas is not quite back yet. They're still not ready for prime time. That LSU game, they came close. That Oklahoma game, I thought that was a lot closer than it should have been. I thought OU should have had about two more scores in that first half there. And almost losing to Kansas like that, seems like that Texas team has a lot of problems right now. The problem is defense. I, you know, I, that, that's where their issues lie, defensively more than anything else. And that, that's been an issue throughout this season for Texas. And that was a game that, and they lose that all of a sudden. They, they lose control of their own destiny to get to a Big 12 title game. They still control it. They got Baylor, who I think has been one of the biggest surprises in the Big 12. Man, that rule has done has been incredible 
at Baylor this year to, to put them in the spot they're at. But for Texas, it, it's all about the defense. They, they have got to sure up that defense if they want to. I mean, honestly, that game against Baylor, if they want to beat Baylor, they're going to have to sure up that defense. That's the number one issue with Texas. I, I think Sam Ellinger has played fine for the most part. He played fine in the game uh, against Oklahoma. The reason why they lost to Oklahoma more than anything was their defense. The reason why that game was so close against Kansas was their defense. I mean, you gave up, what, 50 points to Kansas. Right, exactly, exactly. Who do you think is the uh, second-best team in the Big 12 behind OU right now? Do you think it's Baylor, Texas, or yeah. is this someone else we're not talking about, maybe in Iowa State? No, I think it's Texas or Baylor, and I probably still lean Texas right now. You look at the Baylor schedule and the way it was set up, and, hey, you can only you can only win the teams that are on your schedule. But to this point, you look at what's coming up for Baylor, and the Texas game is later, but just their schedule as a whole, it gets a lot tougher for Baylor. I, I think we're going to learn a lot more about the Baylor Bears here over the next month, uh, specifically the next three weeks or so. Uh, I'll lean Texas still at this point just because of uh, quarterback play, what they've had, and you know, you just look at the, the overall roster of depth that they have compared to, to Baylor and some of the other teams. Uh, but Matt Rule, might be, <laughs> Matt Rule might be the best coach in the Big 12 other than Lincoln Riley. He might be. He might be. And, and those schedule situations can't play your favor. I remember seeing a Texas Tech team, I believe it was back in Kingsbury's first year, that started out the year 7-0 and and then lost five straight to finish 7-5 and in uh, for the season. And this Tech Baylor team at 7-0, great start, but the schedule has certainly played to their favor so far at this point. Alex, before we let you run, man, tell us what's going on in Houston where people can uh, find all your work, some of the great things that you're doing down there with SB Nation Radio. I see you all over the place going to some of these big fights and golf tournaments and such. I mean, <laughs> you're everywhere. Yeah, it's been a ton of fun. I'm having a blast. It's crazy. I remember going on your show when I first was heading out here to Houston to start up on SB Nation Radio, and here we are about a year and a half in having a blast in uh, Monday through Thursday on, on SB Nation Radio, affiliates across the country. Also, you can you can download the SB Nation Radio app. I'm on uh, 10 to 1 a.m., 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern time during the week. And right now it's a blast because we've got, obviously, the overlap with NFL heading into week eight. There's always plenty every single day to talk about on that end. And then NBA starting up last night or on, on Tuesday night, that is. And, of course, here we are with college football and college basketball around the corner. So, yeah, it's, it's been a ton of fun, and we've had some great opportunities. And, uh, yeah, another big fight coming up in Vegas uh, in November. I'll be out in, out there for the Wilder fight. So it's been pretty cool to check out some of those. That is awesome, man. Uh, you're doing a great job. I got your show subscribed on iTunes and uh, listening, man. And and uh, glad to see that things are going so well for you. And, and uh, looking forward to see what's next. Uh, from here on out. Appreciate the time, Alex. Thanks for joining us. Follow this guy on Twitter at Alex Gold, and uh, we appreciate him stopping by. Thanks for joining us, Alex. Of course. Always fun, man. Big thanks to Alex Gold for joining us here on the Jones Report today. Tyler Jones, Thomas Bridges, back here with you now. We'll get to our pick segment here in just a moment, plus Tom Fullery as well. But uh, real quick, Tom, the return of KU and Mizzou the border war had taken a leave of absence as Mizzou left the Big 12 for the SEC. And now we are seeing the return in uh, the 2019, or actually 2020 through 2021 season. It'll be about, what, eight years since they had last played a game between KU and Mizzou. And, you know, there's a couple things to look at this. One, the timing of it is, I think, interesting to say the least that KU's looking at possibly being at a postseason ban next year 
and you have to give your fans something to be entertained by in some regard. I don't think that Bill Self, his thoughts just changed overnight. I know that Bill said that he missed this game and, you know, it's good for the fans and all this. I really doubt that Bill's opinions just all of a sudden changed on this. I think this was a Jeff Long thing. Jeff Long's daughter goes to Mizzou. He was in the SEC for a long time. I would lean towards that direction that this was more Jeff's idea to make this happen. But in actuality, when you think about it, I know that some folks are still mad at Mizzou, and rightfully so. Mizzou uh, made a bad decision going to the SEC, and they hurt KU and other Big 12 schools in the process in doing so. They left KU at risk. Um, you know, They chose to risk losing that rivalry with the idea of going to the SEC. That was the decision that they made. With that being said, you know, they say time heals all wounds, and I feel like that go ahead and get this done now and let another generation of fans enjoy this rivalry because personally, I didn't get to grow up with KU and Mizzou. They didn't play each other when I went to school. I missed out on that. I would have loved to seen KU and Mizzou play while I was in school, and I didn't get to see that. And so I think that, you know, although there are some politic elements involved and there is some frustration there, at the end of the day, it's best for the next generation of Jayhawk fans and Mizzou Tiger fans to still experience this rivalry that dates back all the way to the 1800s in the Civil War days when these two were fighting for survival, when, you know, the folks from the state of Missouri came over and burned the town that we know now as Lawrence, Kansas. This needs to happen. There is a history and there's a tradition there. And I know that KU has to swallow some pride of some sorts, but at the end of the day, the majority of fans want this, and so they deserve to have it. Yeah, they really do. And it, it's kind of like, oh, you Nebraska should be played. A&M and Texas should be played. But moreover, um, I mean, maybe not as big as Nebraska, OU, but, you know, that was kind of a 90s thing and, and, and before that. But really, Mizzou and KU should play every year regardless of, or, you know, regardless of conference. I mean, it's just one of those things that has to be done. Um, I'm all for it. I don't know how you could be against it. Yeah, I think it's great for both schools and for KU's end of things, the argument that's been made well, what does KU have to gain from it? And in actuality, here's what you have going forward. You have a rival that you get to play every year in the non-con. You guarantee that you're going to play a Power 5 team every year in the non-con. And two out of three years, it's a road game that your fans can travel to, whether it's in Kansas City or whether it's in Columbia it's a unique opportunity to know that you get the chance to play a team that you hate and that your fans can get to see it no matter where it's at. That's a win for your fan base. Yeah, and it's not even like OSU going to play Tulsa. That's not a rivalry. Uh, I mean, this for KU, I mean, why not? It's not like they're having to travel that far. Uh, you know, the fans know this rivalry. It's nothing new. Uh, KU hates Mizzou. Mizzou hates KU. Uh, it's not that far. It is a Power 5 team. Uh, you get to go play enemy literally two hours away. Uh, I don't see an issue with it. I don't know how you anybody can see an issue with it. It's silly.
Now, I know that this will never be the same in the fact that you're not going to have two games every year barring something happening in the NCAA tournament of some sorts. You're never going to get to what the rivalry was when these two teams were in the same league. But you do have a unique opportunity in that this will be the only rivalry in college basketball to have three different locations in a stretch of three years for one rivalry game in the fact that, hey, you're going to play one year in the Sprint Center in Kansas City. You're going to play another year in Lawrence and Allen Fieldhouse, and you're going to play another year in Columbia at uh, Mizzou Arena. That will be unique. If this rivalry wasn't unique enough already, that will be cool to have that element involved, to still have the neutral site and the campuses be a part of this, to me, is uh, going to be pretty cool to see that you know somebody that is a student in three years' time, you're going to get to see this rivalry take shape in three different forms, and that will be awesome for these fans to get to experience to see this in a variety of ways. Fan of either one of the schools, if you're even in that location, I mean, especially Kansas City, which, you know, there's a lot of different – fan bases I feel like in Kansas City it's kind of a melting pot of fandom uh, at least in my experience going there um, so even if you're not a fan hell if I lived in Kansas City I would go to that game it's a rivalry game it's fun especially when you don't have a stake in it it's almost even better uh, because you get to see two fan bases going at it who have a history that they hate each other uh, I mean why not uh, I mean like I said I don't see anybody who sees an issue with it is silly uh, I mean, why not? This is We've been saying this about even other rivalries that have disappeared. I mean, OU Nebraska, hell, play. Play. Why not? Anytime it happens in the NCAA where there's an old Big 12 team that faces a team still in the Big 12, in football, in college basketball, everyone gets up for it. Everyone's like, okay, well, we're playing them again. OU and Mizzou a couple years ago. Everyone's like, hey. You know, old Big 12 friend here. We're going to get to play him again. Hope we beat the hell out of him because we don't know when the next time we're going to get to play him is. Um, for KU, obviously that's not the case. They know that they're going to be playing him, uh, but it still doesn't take away from the rivalry, in my opinion. Right. And last thing on this, we heard from Jeff Long that they're hoping this opens opportunities for other matchups between these two schools and other sports. And. I think that you're going to see this return in football. It's going to be a little bit longer from now because you have to schedule out football non-conference games 10 years in advance based on the way the system is, is shaking out. But you look at it, I think that you could do something similar. And I know that the last few years of the rivalry in the Big 12, they played at Arrowhead. Personally, I would like to see it be just like the basketball form in that, hey, you're going to have an Arrowhead one year. You're going to have it at Lawrence in another and Columbia at another and rotate between those three in that regard. And to me, I think that would be the best way to go about this is uh, to uh, get all three sites involved. And then you would have the only rivalry in college sports at the Division One level where you would have three different locations for the men's basketball game and the football game, and all three would be the same cities. To me, that would make this really cool if you could make that happen. I know that it's going to take a long time. It's going to be a process. 
But at the end of the day, that's what ultimately I'd like to see this rivalry head in that direction, Tom. Oh, you know it will be. I guarantee that's in the works. Like I said before, they'd be stupid not to. I mean, why not? I mean, the money's there. Uh, I mean, the rival, the past rivalry's already there. KU's getting a little bit better, hopefully, at football. Mizzou's not terrible. You give, you know, you you give two divisions or two conferences that dislike each other in the SEC and the Big Twelve a chance to play at non-con. Add in the old school rivalry. Uh, add in a, a big site like Arrowhead, who you know I, I think they would maybe obviously not pack it out, but given the you know given the time, everything right goes for KU. Maybe the football program comes back to life. Maybe we see some more fans, and and even that, I, I guarantee you, there would be a lot more KU fans show up for a, a KU Mizzou football game than a KU and whoever the hell they play in the non-con at home, even if it wasn't Arrowhead. Right, right. I'm with you. I'm with you there. All right, let's get to our picks for this week. The uh, first game on the slate is number nine, Auburn, on the road, taking on number two, LSU. The Tigers are an 11.5-point favorite at home against Auburn. Tom, is that too many points for LSU to be favored by? I know Coach O's done a great job with that bunch, but... Auburn is no slouch either by any means. If it was like 13 and a half, I would be taking Auburn. It is close, uh, but LSU's look too good. I'll go with uh, LSU as well. And that number two ranking right now, Tom, I think is very justified. They have done a really good job with the tough schedule uh, of what they've played. I think we're setting up for a very good Alabama-LSU game in a couple weeks, and LSU will take care of business there. Number 13, Wisconsin on the road at number 3, Ohio State. The Buckeyes are a 14.5-point favorite. Wisconsin coming off a game where they were upset by Illinois a week ago. Tom, can Wisconsin bounce back, or do you think they lose back-to-back games? Uh, You know, I liked Wisconsin. Uh, I can't believe they dropped that game to Illinois, but the way Ohio State's playing, I, you got to think they dropped two in a row. I'll take Ohio State. I like Ohio State to win and cover in this one. Fun fact for you, Ohio State only has one loss against the spread this year. That is an easy bet, easy money. Uh, give me the Buckeyes to cover at 14.5. Number 8, Notre Dame on the road at number 19, Michigan. The Wolverines are a one-point favorite in this one as they uh, host the Irish Notre Dame, Tom, I have been wrong on almost all year in uh, picking them. Um, I mean, this team is hard to figure out. One week you think that they're going to cover, and then they don't. Another week you don't think that they cover, and then they do. Um, Michigan, on the other hand, they've been up and down all season long. We heard Paul Feinbaum say, he said that you could get a yellow pages out of college football head coaches and pick a number of them that would be better than Jim Harbaugh. Harbaugh, I don't know if he's coaching for his job yet per se, but there is increased pressure on him. He really needs to win this game. Can Michigan get it done as a one-point favorite at home? You know, I think it's going to be a hell of a game, but it, it essentially it comes down to a pick at that point. Um, and I, I, I like Notre Dame to, to go ahead and win. I liked what I saw from Notre Dame in that loss to Georgia. 
Um, I still think Notre Dame might lose another game this year, but I'll take the Irish to uh, take care of business and cover as a one-point underdog. Number 15, Texas taking on TCU. The game is in Fort Worth. Texas is a one-point favorite. Texas coming off a game where they barely beat KU last week. TCU, on the other hand, they're coming off a loss to K-State. Tom, it feels like that both these teams are coming off a loss, essentially. Who uh, is going to bounce back this week? You know, I think Texas, uh, I wouldn't call it a bounce back, but I think they're going to do enough to win by more than one point. Um, you would uh, you would at least hope so. Uh, I don't think TCU, you know, I think the Kansas game coming off that was more of taking KU lightly. It's not a knock on KU because they took the opportunity. Um, and ran with it literally, but uh, you got to think Texas goes ahead and beats TCU. Texas is a good bet here, and here's why: if they win by just one, then you get a push, and then if they win by two or more, obviously you would get it outright. And so, with that being said, I'll go with uh, Texas to take care of business. Uh, I think they're a much better team than TCU. I don't think TCU's got a very good offense. I'll go with the Horns in this one. Last college game, number six, Penn State on the road at Michigan State. Sparty is a six-and-a-half-point underdog at home. Tom, are you uh, buying this uh, Penn State team? I am officially bought into the Nittany Lions. I like what I saw last week. Uh, I don't see any problem with them getting the job done this week either. Um, you know what, Tom? I actually wasn't as impressed with uh, Penn State last week. I thought they should have won by more in uh, their game against Michigan that they won 28-21. to uh, 21. But uh, six and a half on the road, I still like them to uh, take care of business and uh, cover at six and a half. So, Tom and I agree on our college football picks. We're going with LSU as an 11.5-point favorite. Ohio State is a 14.5-point favorite. Michigan, uh, we're picking against. We're going with Notre Dame as a one-point underdog. Texas is a one-point favorite, and Penn State is a 6.5-point favorite. Let's move on to the National Football League. Packers and Chiefs. The Packers are a 4.5-point favorite this week against Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes did practice on Wednesday, but Tom... Very skeptical about whether he is going to play or if he should even play. I don't think he should play. I think even with a healthy Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs would lose this game. Green Bay's on fire right now. I'm going with the hot hand. I think Green Bay's going to win and take care of business in uh, Kansas City. I'll take them as a four-and-a-half-point uh, favorite to win and cover. I think I'll take the Packers as well. Even with Mahomes, I would still take them. Uh, I mean... At this, if it was any higher than four and a half, or if it was more like seven and a half, or something like that, I would be more apt. I think Kansas City is going to put up a good five, but Aaron Rodgers is on fire, so I'll take the pack. The 49ers taking on the Panthers. The 49ers are a five and a half point favorite on the road. Kyle Allen has been unbelievable since filling in for Cam Newton, but the Niners are one of just two undefeateds left in the National Football League. Tom. Can Kyle Allen pull off the upset at home against the 49ers? I hope he does, but I don't think he will. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't call this an easy pick by any means, but uh, I think the 49ers will be okay. I think the uh, Panthers could give San Francisco a run for their money, but 
I'm not going to risk my money on that. I'll uh, take San Francisco to cover as a five-and-a-half-point favorite uh, on the road in that game. The Eagles taking on the Bills, the uh, two former homes of LaShawn McCoy going head-to-head. The Eagles have really struggled as of late with a back-to-back losses, one to Dallas, and then the a week before that, uh, they uh, fell as well uh, to Minnesota. This team's struggling right now. The Bills only one loss on the season. That loss is to New England. The Bills are a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Tom, are you all in on this uh, Buffalo squad? I wouldn't say all in, but I'll take them over the Eagles for sure. After that performance against Dallas, uh, I'll ride with Buffalo for this one. The Eagles got to turn it around at some point. So why not this week against Buffalo? I think Buffalo's a fraud. I'll go with the Eagles to cover as a one-and-a-half-point underdog. The Cardinals taking on the Saints. The Saints, a 10-point favorite. Looks like Drew Brees will be back this week. Kyler Murray has played some really good football as of late. And even if Drew Brees, for whatever reason, is not able to go, Teddy Bridgewater has played spectacular himself. Saints, 10-point favorite. Tom, can the Cardinals find a way to compete with New Orleans? I think they do compete. I think it's an odd game, uh, but I, I will still take the Saints. Uh, but I'll, I'll take the ten for the. You know, I'll give the Cardinals ten points. I still think the Saints can pull it off by at least thirteen. I'm not picking against who dat at home. Doesn't matter who the quarterback is for me. I think that they'll be fine. Give me New Orleans as a ten point favorite. The Bucks taking on the Titans. The Titans, one of the most confusing teams in the National Football League. The the Buccaneers, on the other hand, uh, who knows what to make of that bunch. The Titans have such a bad offensive line. Uh, the Buccaneers have really had some problems themselves. Tom, I think this is going to be an ugly ball game, no matter who wins this game, and the Titans are a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Right, I think it is, too. I don't you know, the Titans, inconsistent. The Bucs, oh, you know, you don't even know what to think of them anymore, but uh, I think you know, the Bucks defense can get the job done. I think that's the difference maker. I will take Tampa Bay. The uh, last game that we have for you, the Chargers and the Bears. The Bears are a four-point favorite in this game against the Chargers. And, Tom, for this uh, this Chargers team, it feels like a must-win game at this point in time that if there's any hope for Los Angeles to make the postseason – they got to get something rolling, and they got to get something rolling now. And this Bears team been inconsistent the last couple of weeks. This is an opportune time for the Chargers uh, if they're going to do anything this season. Yeah, it is. And, and likewise for the Bears, I mean, got to get something together. You get Trubisky back. You you know, can't pull a win out against the Saints. I mean, it's desperation time for them, too. I mean, considering the way that the Vikings and the Packers are playing, so... Uh, I, I think Chicago gets the better of them this week. All right. Um, I'll go with the uh, Bears as well. So I went with the Titans, you went the Bucks, uh, and then I went with the Eagles, and you went with the Bills. But uh, those are our picks uh, NFL-wise. We both like the Niners as a five-and-a-half-point favorite. I'll go with the Eagles as a one-and-a-half-point underdog. Tom likes the Bills as a five one-and-a-half-point favorite. We both like the Saints as a ten-point favorite. 
I'm going with the Titans as a ten and a half point favorite. He's going with the Bucks as a ten and a half point underdog, and we both like the Bears as a four point favorite. And that is our picks for this week. Before we get out of here today, time for our Tom Fullery story of the week this week. Tom, what do we got? Jones, we're coming close to home for you, not Kawita. Uh, we're coming close to Lawrence, though, and we're going to Kansas City Mo, KC Mo. And this is really something I think you should do, uh, because if I lived anywhere near Kansas City, I would definitely go. Uh, title reads, this is in Kansas City, Missouri, Rage Yoga class includes cursing and alcohol. Kansas City, Missouri, Rage Yoga is yoga with an attitude, basically, says Kansas City instructor Amanda Kaufman. Kaufman strolled into the back room at Cinderblock Brewery. You know where that's at? I do not. No, no, somewhere in Kansas City. Strolled in Monday night with a beard in one hand and a yoga mat in the other. She was there to teach her first ever rage yoga class in Kansas City. It's a little bit different than your traditional yoga, she said. You have dim lights, you have soft music. This is the complete opposite. She started practicing yoga seven years ago, but two years back she came across a new technique she said is more her style. A lot of people stray away from yoga because they think, oh, well, you know, I'm not good enough for that, or... What are people going to think about my poses, she said, and in here you can just be yourself. I'm on board. Coffin now teaches rage yoga. The technique is different. Instead of calming your mind, you're bringing everything out instead, she said. Instead of just trying to push it out quietly, you're going to push it out, and it's going to be loud. Monday night's class participants each got a beer that they drank throughout their time on the mat, and traditional hand motions and positions were replaced with gestures and sounds you'd more likely see at a rock concert. I've never done rage yoga before, attendee Hillary Lapino said. I had recently seen something online about it and then saw it was available here, so I just jumped on the opportunity. She appreciated the alcohol twist, but also the idea of kind of incorporating the stress release of like yelling or screaming or flipping somebody off. You know what I mean? Kaufman described the scene before 7 p.m. class began. We'll be listening to loud, explicit music. We'll be cussing, using profanity, yelling, screaming, just letting all the negative energy out tonight. That is the goal. Instructor said mental health is so critical, as is physical maintenance, and the combination of these two things appeal to her. In my house, I practice yoga to rock music, to metal music, to loud music, Kaufman said. That's just what I enjoy. So when I saw the teacher training program for rage yoga, it spoke to me. It's the perfect combo of anyone who's into yoga and into an alternate lifestyle as well. The rage yoga practice began in Canada and has since spread to the U.S. Jones, I'm on board for this. I think you should go and give us an update. Monday nights? Monday nights. Cinderblock Brewery in Kansas City? I'm kind of busy usually watching Monday night football. Do you think they can get me a TV? I think you ought to go to rage yoga instead. You think they can get me a TV with the game on while I'm doing my rage yoga? I think so. I bet you could. I would go to this 110%. So so tell me this. is Are we talking about rage like a rager, like music-wise, or like angry rage? I believe it is angry rage. And I am, like I said, I am all for this. There In Oklahoma, at least, there's a lot of beer yogas taking place. Coop Elworks does one in Oklahoma City at their tap room. They don't do rage. Jones, I would say I would just get there and drink a beer and rage about how Brocktober's trash. I, mean, I would let all my rage out against Brock Purdy and Matt Campbell and the Cyclones. I mean, Brocktober's 7-0 and in the month of Brocktober, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, 
as far as that goes, this rage thing, and you mentioned some of these breweries do a, a yoga of some sorts, doesn't that kind of defeat the purpose of doing yoga if you're drinking beer to like, aren't you supposed to be burning calories when you do this? Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, you can do that. I think a lot of it, though, too, is like calming of the mind. And my favorite way to calm my mind is drinking a beer. Um, that that, that <laughs> sounds a, like an alcohol problem. No, I think that's a in moderation. Don't act like you wouldn't do yoga with a tank seven in hand. Don't make me rage again, Tyler. I, I would not do, do yoga. That's the thing. Like, would I drink a tank seven? Absolutely. Would I do yoga and drink a tank seven? Probably not. Yes. Oh, come on, you have to. You're in camp. This is you have to go give us a report. I'm not that flexible. I don't so. Neither am I. But you can get out there and put on your best twister face and go out there and make it happen. You loosen up with about three or four of them take sevens. I bet you could bust a move. Oh man, just unleash the kraken. Even you. I think I would buy your beer if you went and did it. As long as I can video you, like, doing a hum pose. Would you pay for me to do the yoga? I th Yeah, I sure would. I'd do it for the brand. Tell you what, you, you Venmo me uh, next week money for Tank 7 and the yoga, and I'll do it. That's a done deal. Let me call and check on how much it costs. If it's, like, over 40 then probably not. But uh, if it's, like, 40 bucks, I'll probably do it. Okay. I will probably, I will most likely do that. I'll even then cover my gas to drive over there. That's a deal. You should bring a friend too and just tell him we talked about it on the show. This could be a rage. We could endorse rage yoga on this show. Now, and I'm all for it. Tell me this, Tom. Do you think this is something that I should bring a lady friend to, or do you think this would potentially scare her off? I think it might scare off, but it's an interesting first date idea, honestly. Wouldn't you like... I think you could go one time to check it out first. I think it could benefit the man if you took a girl to this rage yoga because you could see what her true colors were. Right, exactly. See, that's the best of both worlds. I don't see... You got to do it. There's no... There's no ifs, ands, or buts. You have to go do this. I feel like I get enough rage, though when the CPU does the incorrect thing when I'm playing NCAA football. Like, that's when my rage comes out. Nah, see, you gotta go, you gotta get it out other ways. I'm not one to I... hold in my rage of some sorts. Like, if I got a problem, I'm gonna say it, though. Right, right. I think you should go do it. I will check on the price, and we will meet back here next week and you sleep on it, and we will. This will be a Tom Fuller story in the future. Are you going to do it with me? Uh, if I live in Kansas City, I will be there on Monday. If the next time you're in KC, will you do this? Yes, 100%. Okay. Okay. That's fair. I think we got a deal. Rage Yoga is going to be a new thing, and we're going to make it happen. I think so. Have you done, Have do you have any prior experience in yoga, Tom? I have never once done yoga, not in my entire life, but this would be my first, and I would, I would definitely jump into the world of rage yoga.
You've never done a little downward dog or anything? No, no, I think that's... Uh, not at least in yoga class. All right, then we'll uh, interpret that as something else. Um, I'll say this, like I, I've, I've done planking. I don't know if that's considered yoga and like the tree no. stand thing. I've done that in like PE class, but beyond that, I've not done much yoga. I think Monday is your first start. Oh man. Uh, this could be interesting to say the least uh, as far as that goes. I think so. I, I want to see it happen and I want to hear a report. All right, we'll see what we can do. Rage Yoga, the new thing in Kansas City. We'll see what we can do to make it happen. On that note, got to run, got to get out of here today. Big thanks to Alex Gold of SB Nation Radio for joining us. Make sure to uh, give him a follow on uh, Twitter, Facebook, all that great stuff. Also, subscribe to the show, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify. Leave us a five-star review. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that great stuff, at Tyler Jones Live, at TJ Media Group. Uh, at Thomas underscore Bridges on Instagram, Tyler Jones Live, Insta Thomas, Jones underscore Report, and we'll see you right back here next week. For Thomas Bridges, I'm Tyler Jones saying so long. This has been another edition of the Jones Report. We'll see you next week. The Jones Report. F*** yeah.